0: you <laughs>
1: For role playing public radio, this is uh, episode nine negative ten and counting. Uh, Game, uh, we're doing a uh, episode on PC death and dying. Uh, Of course, with me is Tom here. Hey everyone, I got a torn ligament
2: in my knee. That's why we didn't do this earlier.
1: Yeah, Tom, uh, working too hard at the uh, blueprint factory.
2: Delivering, I deliver things. How you deliver? And I fell in a parking lot. I know, poor me.
1: Yes, I feel you. Why? Why don't I even really think you feel my pain? I don't know. Um, Somehow that just didn't seem. I to took conceal. the callous disadvantage. Yes. Oh yeah. Five points.
2: Now, I, well, I took the take things personally disadvantage. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh man. I made that one up. It's a quirk.
1: <laughs> only got That's one, only
2: one point out of it. I only got one point for it.
1: So how pissed do you think I am? Yeah, exactly. What do you? Would what, you spend that one point on? Another another bit of skills. Oh yeah, What skill. You got one skill. That was a one-point skill. Swimming. You got swimming. But I can't swim now. <laughs> wow. The
2: irony is... It's, it's delicious, it, isn't it? It is. It's filling. Can you can you take any more? Yes. Or are you
1: full? I'm full. Um, <laughs> Good. That's the way you, that's, Yeah, since our last episode, I uh, found a couple of really fun things. We'll talk... I'll mention most of them in the uh, shout-outs at the end of the episode. Uh, but there is one thing, uh, very RPG-related. Uh, I started recently started reading up on play-by-post games on the internet. And there is one game in particular that I thought was just beyond words. I cannot describe it in all its glory. But he's going to try. Yeah, I'm going to try. The system was fatal. Uh, fantasy, adult, something, adult, lechery. It, it's it's considered, like, if you go to RPG.net, it's like the game that shall not be named. I mean, there are rules, there's tables for uh, uh, nipple? nipple hue. Yeah. Anal circumference. Anal circumference. Um, it is really, truly the uh, uh, most atro- one of the most atrocious RPGs ever created. And it's like an 800-page game. It's a PDF. If you, if you know where to look on the internet, you can find. So it. So the printed PDF could kill a goat, probably, uh, undoubtedly. Um, the thing is, some people actually played a game of it on an internet forum, and uh, they <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't that serious, but it was it was hilarious in its own way. At one point, they're using the spell mishap charts. They had uh, uh, an angel casting spells over a city, but every time it cast a spell, it, it farted at 120 decibels. So a jet engine fart, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then another spell mishap caused caused a player to reverse fart 44 times in a row. And, uh, yeah, there was a... Uh, one of the PCs was a one-foot demon baby uh, who was immune to normal weapons, immune to everything except special weapons, magic weapons. And uh, this PC exuded an aura that caused humans within one foot of the demon baby to desire anal sex. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They, it's just so wrong and so funny. Because so it sounds like a story that someone would write on a fan fiction Well, website. these were people who were basically making fun of the game by playing it. It's uh, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It was on the Something Awful forums. That's well, okay, in, yeah. Yeah, that, that gives you a hint. There's, you know Something Awful, they're pretty much enjoy the worst of the internet. And uh, and bring it to you. Yes. So uh, I'm not going to link to it because, honestly, it's... Uh, Your eyeballs <laughs> might explode. It's not mind-safe. It's not just not work-safe. It's not mind-safe. And I, I would feel bad if other people were exposed to it. You know, since I'm so desensitized and cynical and, and, and jaded, um, I don't care. But uh, Yeah, I sentences. remember the, Hey, Ross, look, a dissected hamster. Eh. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, uh, with that out of the way, let's talk about you know the main topic for this show. Uh, PC, Death, and Dying. And this is something I've been thinking about. Um, because I've noticed I've run a lot of horror games. And uh, Yeah, s- seriously, there's no joke there. He <laughs> runs a lot. I like horror. And um, a while ago, I got a person to create a new add-on to our site, the Call of Cthulhu slash Delta Green PC Mortuary where you can enter in your fallen Call of Cthulhu characters, uh, who they were, how they died, and put a little epitaph, and then when I see it, I can approve it. There's like about seven or eight uh, PCs up there so far, uh, including someone who died by being flash-frozen, uh, flash which uh, I wish they had described it in a little more detail. It was pretty interesting. Um, but I, I've noticed my own... The thing is, I've noticed when I run a game, I have a tendency to keep the PCs alive at least until the end of the session. I'm very reluctant to kill someone at the beginning or at the middle well, of the session. you keep us alive despite our best efforts to off ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Tom. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just telling the truth, man. I mean, I'll kill PCs. I mean, if you listen to the last game I ran, uh, uh, is it the end of the world as we know it? I killed one of the PCs off. But again, that was at the end of the session. And Jason's character, I could... I, You know, honestly, I probably should have... Well, I... He didn't really do anything that stupid, but he did take a lot of risks, so I probably could well, have killed it, him off.
2: It did kind of seem to me like he was hoping to off himself in some heroic, epic way. Yeah,
1: but I i mean, that's the thing. I didn't really want to kill him, you know. In fact,
2: and he did that before, did he not? With other, with another game.
1: Um, I don't remember. Which game are you talking about? I don't remember. But I th- oh, the Yakuza game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was him just failing so many dice rolls, I had to kill. I mean, if you fail that many dice rolls and Call of you, you felt honor-bound to kill him as a... Pretty I, much. As a Yakuza game GM. Pretty much. Um, yeah. I would have to commit Seppuku if I didn't kill him. It was kill or be killed. Um, but anyways, my concern about PC death is obviously, one, you know, I'm running a game so everyone can have fun. Me and all the other players. And uh, if the PCs aren't... Uh, if the players don't like death or... In the worst-case scenario, they get killed halfway or at the very beginning of a session. Then what are they going to do for the rest of those couple hours while everyone else, you know, has fun playing? Well, well of course, this would depend on the game. If it's Call of yeah. Cthulhu, a, even a beginner
2: experience character can pump out a new character in yeah. 30 minutes. True. If, God help you, you're
1: doing GURPS or a Palladium game. Yeah, especially if you're like a 200- or 300-point GURPS character.
2: Yeah, or Palladium in any of its systems. <laughs> you're you're going to be out a long time.
1: Yeah, and... Also, and then, of course, the PCs take it seriously, especially if it's a character they like. Uh, you know, I've had a player once or twice storm out because I killed his character. And I feel bad about it because he's normally a good player. It's just, you just get angry and you're just like, ah, oh, I can't believe that happened to me. I mean, some people are just sore losers. And it's not, you know... Uh, and you can't
2: predict that either.
1: And honestly, I'm not the most, you know, I will Feel bad if my PC gets killed. I'll just like ah, oh, damn it. I you know I do take it personally. I mean, not as much as not nearly as much as I used to, but I'll admit it. I'm not you know an emotionally perfect person. It's, I know that's you a, think, <laughs> Tom, you could have faked a little. You know, like, no, you're just you know.
2: I, I'm sorry. I on my honor, I could not have done that. Oh yeah. Well, thanks, Tom. You bet. Um, but, uh, but actually, I kind of have the opposite problem with that. Oh, yeah? My early gaming experience. this about all the GMs. Would never kill PCs. Mm-hmm. Well, then again, most of my early games were, were Palladium, and it's actually kind of, especially, oh, especially Rifts. Yeah, you know, it's hard to lose a, lose a character, and that especially the well, the the, the the further in the books you go. Yeah, it depends on what type of character you make. Like I remember the one Rifts game that lasted the longest. I was playing a Totten from the uh, Africa book, which are the big crocodile guys with the oh, squir- yeah, with yeah, the yeah. scorpion tails. I remember. And they have an insane amount of MDC naturally, but of course you're always, you always deck them out with the heaviest armor you can get, right? And they're carrying around rune sword over their shoulder, <laughs> and the I don't think it was a glitter boy boom gun, but it was basically like the the you know the six hundred kilowatt death plasma rifle thing, right? Right. And I, I remember we actually went after the four horsemen yeah. of the apocalypse, and. Only war actually ever got me ever got me through my armor, much <laughs> less my natural MDC. Wow. I would have been such an asshole to you. You totally would have, and God bless you, Ross. <laughs> but well, really it, it wasn't until later, like like three point when I was playing with you yeah. again that actually I've actually had players in danger of dying. And in fact I think my first in several
1: years was that sorcerer that was rent apart by the uh four arm gorillas. Yeah, Gorillion. Uh yeah. fiendish four gorillas. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that session, because I remember you specifically said after the session, that was, like, the first PC I've had who got killed, or something like that, or it was one yeah. of the first. well, it was
2: also the first time I was trying a magic user, and of course yeah. I
1: was bringing him into the front lines like a yeah. fighter. Yeah, and when you were, like, first or second level, or something like that, so, yeah. uh... But, it can get enemies. rare, like,
2: I remember Sean was playing in that one. Yeah. And, not maybe not in that one, but it was one of your games, and his PC died, normally, by the rules. Yeah. And he had this
1: huge grin on his face, like because he says he hadn't lost a PC in years. Yeah, I mean that's that's the one end of the extreme, I think that, that PC death is good just because you don't want to have a care bear game where and I define a care bear game as one in which there's not just no death but no real challenge. By removing the PC death, you start in, you know, you start uh, inching towards not just no PC death, but no PC failure. I mean, they might get hurt a little bit, but there's no significant chance of them losing.
2: And tr- they know that. Yeah. And, you know, trust me, most players will catch on when they know they're not going to die, and that's when they start doing goofy
1: shit to keep themselves entertained. Yeah, it, it, it's just you, you're not like, why am I playing this game? It's, uh, yeah. not, you're, you, you don't know what's going to happen next. You're not hooked on it. You know, the story becomes stale. I mean, it's just like a TV show or a movie. I mean, when you when you figure out what's gonna happen before it happens and you know that there's nothing that's gonna excite you, I mean, what's the point of playing? Or what's the point of watching or like, participating?
2: Or, and actually even if your GM's really imaginative and comes up with some kick ass villains, you know it's gonna be a short lived thing because
1: by the end of this session they'll be dead at your feet. <laughs> yeah, and um, so that's the one that's a positive side of PC death. They keep the players hooked on it by knowing that there's there's an uncertain outcome. You know, there's yeah. no certainty. There's there's this dynamic in, in gaming that I can't see anywhere else. I mean, um, but on the other hand... Yeah, on the other hand,
2: if you lose a player... If you keep losing players consistently, yeah. characters consistently, they're going to, like, they're going to Well, First of all, I think players need to get a little emotionally involved with their characters. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just like, oh, uh... My guy, well, what's his name? Yeah, and I guess I go here. You know, they're not gonna role play him. They're basically yeah. they're like, my character will go here and to the tavern, and can I roll will roll some dice maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And that trust me that when that game starts it's I'm a, I, it's over at hello.
1: Yeah, I think I mean that—that's sort of the other side. You know, you don't want to be the killer GM who unfairly. and Basically, you don't want to be um, any of the GMs in uh, in an AB three rant. Oh uh, God, no! <laughs> I, um, you know, death by Risk Where the piece, or just any of those other stories where the game master just unfairly punishes players, and because his girlfriend left him, yeah, right? or something like that. Yeah. And uh, so there is a there is the sort of opposite
2: extreme. And I think we covered this in another show. The uh, the GM with his favorite villain. Yeah. And I know that you know a lot of times, like if you know the GM fiat that he does, if he doesn't want them to die, and they're going to, he'll suddenly pull them out. I've I've experienced one game. Well, didn't you say you did that? I did that one time. Yeah. But basically, it's more like I whisked him away. to yeah. Safety, but I I have known one GM who instead of that suddenly has him gain, you know. His power level becomes 9,000. Over 9,000. Over 9,000.
1: Yeah. And he just, he
2: wastes the party. Yeah. Be- that's how he keeps his yeah. great villain from dying.
1: So I guess the, 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 the GM dilemma is how to handle PC death in the game. How do you keep it fair and fun? Um, so, you know, too much death is bad. Too little death is bad. Um, so I think... Obvi- I think it's more important that the threat can always be there. Yeah.
2: Just, you know, it's more, I think it's just more important that it's there rather than even exercised a lot. Yeah. It just needs to be there. Um, and obviously, okay, for, you know, D&D
1: at certain levels, once you get resurrection right. and stuff. Well, involved, even then you, you lose a level of experience and all that other jazz. Right. And of course, a lot of, most people I know house rule that out. I mean, that's kind of gay. Yeah, it it, it truly is. Um, but,
2: yeah, like, or like GURPS, like GURPS characters are pretty brittle. Yeah. No, well, yeah, true, unless
1: you have a lot of, you know, points to put yeah. into and of course, uh, our, our
2: personal fay Call of Cthulhu characters, especially for some of the danger that you're they're eventually going to get into. yeah
1: Well, so again, the, the trick is, you know, how do you handle, what what do you do? How do you handle death in the game? I think, obviously, the policy we both sort of agree on is, in general, you want to let the dice roll where they may. you know Keep everything fair, open, and honest. And, and let's be honest, sometimes the dice just rape you. Right. I mean, again, Jason. He just kept failing. He failed like four or five times in a row when he's trying to get and, away from this and ghost. And
2: impressively failing.
1: Yeah, and it's just like, well, I mean, I'm sorry, they're saying they're, you're dead, so you're dead. Um, the thing, though, I think there's a little caveat that not many people know is the one: you should make the stakes known before you start rolling the dice. And by this, I mean like if the PC is about to do something really dangerous, like I'm going to shoot the president at the press conference, you know then, all right, we'll roll the dice open, openly, but these guys are going to try and kill you, and there's a lot of them. And also, and
2: and also like, there's secret service very, very all risky. over the
1: place. Yeah. It's very, very risky. You have to roll very well quite a few times in order to pull it off. And it, as long as the player acknowledges that and is okay with that and is able to accept the results of the dice, then it's good. So I think that those are the keys there. Make sure everyone's on the same page. Everyone's on the same level. Everybody knows what's going on, and... Then rolling the dice openly and then accepting the results for whatever yeah. they are. I mean, I, I think I think life-threatening danger coming out of nowhere in a pretty in a ridiculous spot. That's, yeah, that's not good. You're on the crap. You're on the thunder bucket, and a toilet monster kills you. What?
2: Uh, screw you. You're dead. Where it's like you follow the treasure map to the to the hill with the X. Like, oh great,
1: it's a genius low Like,
2: oh come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an epic level monster. Oh, uh, you know, DC, you know, challenge rating 30, you're level 2. Right, it says, and it says it will spare you if you can
2: fo- solve this puzzle. Like, oh,
1: fuck you.
2: <laughs> By the way, nice. so just a personal thing, I don't like puzzles in games. Yeah. Hey, come on, like, I, I'm, I'm here I'm here for personal
1: glory. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was going to have you guys uh, solve some ciphers and uh, <laughs> a substitution. Who Sudokus? Yes. No. I hate Sudoku. Keep okay. It. Um... So I think those are the key uh, uh, areas, and um, like when anytime I have an NPC about to do something nasty, the PC, or the you know the PCs cast a save or die type spell on an NPC, I say, okay, well this NPC needs to roll this in order to do this, and then I roll it out so everyone can see it. And so, uh, well, I think those can work if you build it
2: up. Yeah, exactly. Like, If you actually say like, okay, this is like this is gonna this is a make or break roll here, man. It's exactly. Suddenly all the players. All the stupid comments and jokes will shut up. Oh yeah! And they'll which stop. They'll get interested in that role. Yeah, exactly. And even if the player, like, he'll he'll start rolling. He'll start rolling that dice like his life depends on it, which it kind of does. And yeah. then, and actually, and the reaction to both—if he fails, it's like,
1: oh, yeah, like, all exactly. around the table.
2: Yeah. But if you succeed, there's going to be like a minute or so of just kind of high fiving
1: and yeah, yeah, cheering. Yeah. The, the,
2: both of those are good. Both of those are good. Like, when the whole party even shares your pain, oh,
1: man! Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, those are the stories that you remember over the years. I mean, like, you and the tea, tea shop in London, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody was hanging on your dice rolls. As well. And they were, it was like, the price is right, the
2: audience was shouting out suggestions.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Which uh, Ross tried to stop, but yeah. you might as well try to stop the tide from coming in. Yeah, that, that PC hive mind. <laughs> um, so, of course, so that... that should be the overall policy whenever you're at a high stakes, whenever the PCs are close to death or you know about to do something, you know, jump off the cliff. Basically, you need to you know just put everything in up front so the PCs know what's going on and give and you and if it and if all possible, give them a way out. You know, if they're if they're like, whoa, I didn't know I you know I was gonna jump off the cliff, I blah 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 blah, you know, let them back out. I, I failed my spot check, I didn't see the cliff there, yeah, exactly. Um, well, you can jump out of the car, but the car is gone, blah blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Or you can stay in the car and try and make this really high drive roll to keep the car, but you'll be risking your life because you'll be in the car if it goes over the cliff if you fail the check. See, that would be the thing. You know, set the stakes. That's open. good game. Yeah. So uh, not not just uh, you went off the edge. Oh, you're dead. Yeah, and he's like, no, no, no. I would have jumped out. I wasn't going to do that. Well, you you made the check. You're blah blah blah. That's where the arguments. I mean, if everybody knew that everything beforehand, there wouldn't be any arguments. Um, you have to disclose. Uh, disclose this stuff. Need uh, to know information. Yeah, disclosure. Um, Full disclosure. <laughs> now, of course, then whenever... Uh, sooner or later, though, PC will die. Oh, you yes. Know, they failed oh, the yes. drive check. They jumped off the cliff. So what happens uh, if it's near the end of a session, the PC can just sort of hang out and be like, all right, whatever. It's like, or just like, like, dude,
2: oh, I die.
1: Yeah, and talk or whatever. But so the question is, what do you do when the PC dies and there's still... You know, you don't want the, the player hanging around doing nothing for an hour or two hours.
2: Well, once this is like, first it depends on the game itself. Once again, if you're playing Call of Cthulhu right. or something, you can, a beginning
1: player can just belt out a new character in a few minutes. Well, on the other hand, though, you know, it's still kind of a problem because it, in Call of Cthulhu, you know, you're in the middle of the, the Australian desert, your guy dies. It's like, well... Uh, oh, there's this gun smuggler who shows up. It's like, well, that's kind of fucking convenient, isn't it? Well, Ross, come on. Are we actually going to say we don't just do convenient little things in games? Yeah, I like how in the, uh, last the, last week's game, you guys immediately trusted the he- group of heavily armed lunatics ranging okay, about yeah. demons in and In my defense,
2: I had just seen a giant hole no, open. No, you didn't see it. My well, my police chief did, <laughs> and, you, and just because they oh, no, saw my national my national guard commander saw
1: it. Yeah, he saw it. That doesn't mean that they weren't the ones behind it. you were just you see see yeah the Julian. There's a really funny movie called The Gamers. Where yeah, it's a 45 minute thing. Uh, that gentleman did it. Um, and at one scene, you know, the, the wizard dies. Later on, they find... Another the, wizard. Another wizard, and in the middle yeah. of the forest... Yeah, and, and the
2: GM says, Okay, I want you I want you guys to roleplay this. You've never seen this guy before. And yeah. the lines go,
1: Like, I noticed your team doesn't have a magic user. Yes. The, you look trustworthy. Do you care to join us? Indeed. And then he walks to the back of the line of the party. And that's it. It's like, "Uh, That's one habit of players I wish I could break. But uh, that's, you know, it's kind of like... It's a it's a cliche. It's a convention of the game. It's just you kind of have to accept it. You know, it's like how in movies the actors' hairs always look great, even if they've been through hell and everything else like that. They well, just movie yeah. Die Hard, his hair didn't look good. Well, it still looked heroic. It was heroically okay. Up. Okay. Yeah, and the smudges and everything else. It looked. You know, he still looked very macho and just badass. And the uh, of course yeah. the glass and the foot, the bleeding foot. Yeah. And uh, uh, wrapping a little piece of cloth around your wound, gunshot wound, that that fixes it. You know, he only ever got winged.
2: He never. The only time he got shot was he got winged by his own pistol. Well, you know, in, a, in the arm, and he <laughs> yeah. never dressed that wound. Well, my I'm, God, have you watched Die Hard or what? I'm talking about in general. I wasn't specifically okay. referring to Die well, Hard. Well, don't you don't you tread upon sacred ground for me? Oh, poor dog. I know he likes. I love hard. Die Hard. <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right. Well. There are some other options. Of course, like, well, one, of course, that I've had a game to do is, uh, like, have, if you know you're going to go into a meat
1: Grinder, have a couple of characters already made. Right. And, of course, the thing is, clear it beforehand and figure out some way that they could logically join up with the group in a way that's fairly integrated. I mean, like, if you're running the military campaign, that's very simple. It's like, hey, Private Bob just showed up. It's like, like, hey,
2: we saved Private Ryan.
1: Private Ryan, come over. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Something like that. Um... But once again, if you're in, it's called a
2: kathoola. You're in the middle of the, you know, outback somewhere, and yeah, unless you're doing like some Aboriginal hunter with an English accent, tribal comes, fisherman, yeah, yeah, exactly. who comes out, he's like, you boys, like, like, like you boys look like you need some help. <laughs> I know that accent
1: yeah. was totally. I, I didn't even do one. No, you did. I'm you sorry. Did. Um, so that's that's one option, you know. Have that, you know, prepare beforehand. Of course, you're not always going to know, and sometimes it's kind of unfeasible, especially if it's like gerbs. You know, you don't want to spend, like, nine hours making, you know, three or four characters. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's Unless you of, get off on that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's true. Some people do. Like you, Yeah. Making, rolling up D20 characters when I'm running At something. Mutants and, Mutants and Mastermind characters. Yeah. And yes, I have notebooks full of them. Yeah, I'm watching you, buddy.
2: I'm crazy.
1: Yeah. Just rolling up characters.
2: Well, the great thing about
1: Mutants and Mastermind is you don't need to roll up anything. It's a figure of speech time. Shut up, Ross. God. Uh, that was mine. blind down impression. I am now a, officially lame. Brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> Anyways, um, okay, but what what else? Uh, you, if the player's cool with it, he can, uh, uh, or if you're cool with it, uh, set up an NPC, you know, a torchbearer type, and have the player run there the NPC. Go. Like when I was in the, uh, you and I were in the Zeppelin uh, World War One Call of Cthulhu. My character yeah, fell yeah.
2: off the blimp. Yeah, and or Zeppelin, uh, and the guy, the GM had like. a
1: character sheet for every crew member of yeah. board. So I just took up another. I didn't really do much after the game. I just made a couple skill checks. I didn't really... But I was still there, and I was still participating. Yeah. That was good. So... A um, little,
2: just a little work on your part, and you can keep the game moving right along. Yeah,
1: so try and make sure that there's some viable NPCs hanging around. In fact, the players, you could kill two birds with one stone and have the PCs stat up the NPCs and then take them over... Uh, when yeah. appropriate. Make sure you trust your your uh, PCs to
2: do that, though. Yeah,
1: I mean, again, that this takes work beforehand if you're running a casual game. Or whatever. Yeah, That's so
2: and you can all so you could you actually end up with a situation like, okay, so the um, I noticed your uh, private investigator here has bazooka
1: at eighty <laughs> percent. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and he has one. Yes, and he was never in the military. Yes, he uh, he's a hobbyist. Obvious bazookaist. I see. Yeah, that's legal in Canada, or you know,
2: you don't know Canada. Or at all. something that something that's actually happened to me is okay. Your um, your lawyer can pilot a Harrier jump jet. <laughs>
1: It was specifically a hairier jump jet, not just like
2: piloting. Well, this was a game that was run around just around the time that True Lies was out. Uh. And yeah, I had a guy that watched that movie. And oh, players and, are so impressionable. And yeah, this I, th- I believe this was a uh, Heroes Unlimited back when I actually yeah. did Palladium, and and he, and he and he and he was playing he was playing someone that had a like a bunch of some minor powers. Was no he no he was a. Uh, Super sleuth, like a detective. Yeah, and but he took down and the wasn't even so he took pilot harrier jump jet, which wasn't even a, wasn't even a skill. Yeah, and he says, "Now I'm gonna get one of these, right?" <laughs> he says, "Like because I, I found the book and actually it has it has the
1: stats for a harrier jump jet here in them." <laughs> <And I'm> like,
0: <laughs>
1: like, did he play some sort of high tech hero with access to millions of dollars of funding or government backing? Or-
2: no, anything he, uh, like that. No, he was playing a the Sam Spade down on his luck, investigate detective with a drinking problem who had a rundown office down in the
1: middle in the worst part Wait, of you town. You said this is Heroes unlimited. I mean, yeah. he, he didn't have superpowers or well, he was a super sleuth.
2: Oh, okay. Mostly, he had he had skills, but. Like you know, they get the super hacking ability. Oh, okay. He's but bad, but it. he didn't he didn't have a computer. He actually had a uh, <laughs> <He took> a ra- hack? <laughs> yeah, but uh, the only computer he had in his office was a one of those monocolored Radio Shack word processor 80s type of kind thing? of
1: yeah. God, and that he never used. Why 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 would he take super hacking if he wasn't going to use it? Well, it comes with the character. But he you oh, so, see, but he's going to play. I would
2: have been op- I would have been open to him doing a different. A different skill, like okay. Well, if you were playing kind of a luddite, yes, yeah. who doesn't want to use high tech stuff? Like, no, no, no. I'll keep
1: it. It's part of the character. Is that your impression of this? Uh, particular yeah, play? he was. He
2: He. Um, he
1: had the energy level of an animal that could run on a wheel. Okay, so kind of a meth head, tweaker type.
2: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of like um, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh,
1: I see. I see. But he never got to use that skill. Poor, poor guy. Yeah, gamers players are just gamers in general are very impressionable i've noticed uh most modern rpgs their gun list is based on uh guns that are in movies oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. uh there's always this or now more recently you know counter-strike so uh you know mm-hmm. the uh uh what's that special forces 45 automatic that's in SOCOM pistol mm-hmm. that's in all the modern rpgs now and of course, the M16. Yeah, they were back, um, uh, back in uh, the
2: 80s and early 90s. The minis the handheld,
1: the handheld minigun was all their age. Yes. Thanks yes.
2: to T2 and Predator.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, so, anyways, um, what were you talking about? Uh, how, <laughs> how did we even get to that uh, uh, tangent? Well, what else can a player do aside from jumping over, uh, you know, having a backup PC or having an NPC ready to jump in? I mean, have you been in a situation where. You know, there, none of those, neither of those options were viable. I mean, what did the players do? Well, it really so depends. Either as a player or as a genius. Well,
2: it depends on the cohesiveness of the group. Okay. Um, I had a game where, uh, I think Sean was running it. All right. And there were four, no, there was, yeah, there was four players. Yeah. And one of them was off because he, this was a DD and d thing that Sean was running where there was a, we lived in this tiny village surrounded by dangerous jungle, yeah. where green dragons lived all over because it was really poisonous. Mm-hmm. And one of them appeared, and a character playing a second level fighter, yeah, went after a juvenile green dragon.
1: That that would not end well. It did not.
2: <laughs> so. And uh, I think this was the first character he ever lost. Yeah, because he had a look in his face of, well, he couldn't. It's like he was trying to speak but couldn't. Yeah. And finally, so he's like, I'm dead? And Sean's <laughs> like, that's generally what negative 22 hit points means. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so. Uh, so what happened? We had to stop the game for a while because yeah. this guy was like, this guy, like, that bullshit, man! And I guess in like, some situations, sometimes you do just kind of have to stop the game, right. explain to the guy, like, look, man, you went after something with a CR way over your level. Right, and the whole rest of your party was running, and they were telling you, "Come on!" <laughs> so, I mean, granted, he was a very beginner player. I see. So finally, after about an hour, yeah, he's like, "All right, all right, um, can I just make another character." Like, yeah, well, uh, you're you, this is the first one you've ever made, so it, it took it took him another hour or so to make the character. But we kept we we trucked on without him, right, and we. Sean is pretty good at working out a uh, way to get the new character back in. Okay. And really, like I think a situation like that, you know, the sudden new character shows up that no one knows. If the GM's pretty s- kind of savvy, yeah. can actually arrange it in a, to a way where it's not like, where it's not the, you look trustworthy, join us, yeah. kind of thing.
1: Yeah, that's, um, uh, so, okay, so stopping the game and uh, just taking a break, which might be good, especially if the PC death was, like, a, part of a climactic battle. Um... Or a newbie character that just doesn't know what he can take. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean obviously you have to take him sort of. Yeah. This, to, this was a guy that had played
2: nothing but Final Fantasy. That was his role playing. You think you'd be used to dying in those games. I mean, well you, very... then he just starts right back over to save point. Yeah, that's sure. That's true. There's up. no
1: save points. Unless your run. house rule it. Yeah. And then you're a pussy. That's right. Yes, yeah, cause we're hardcore here. Uh Iron Man. That's what we do. We tear up we burn <laughs> the character sheets as soon as they're dead. We, stri- we strike their name from all records. <laughs> <laughs> we nail them to the tree of woe. Yeah. Woe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we actually um, have one of those? Yeah, uh, but it fell over because of the ice door. Fucking ice. Yeah. Woe is the tree. Totally woe. Well. Oh, all right. yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyways, Anyways. Um, Total professionalism. <laughs> so, okay, so you can stop the game and have a break. Um... Now, of course, again, that's where sort of the problem is, you know, the dead player, even, you know, no matter what, as soon as they're dead, it really sucks for them if they miss out on a really cool scene, like a bat, big battle or a fight scene or environmental, you know, some sort of yeah. challenge. You know, the really cool is just like, oh, you got killed by the punk ass guard right before the end boss fight, you know.
2: And sometimes, really, so, sometimes there's nothing you can do. Yeah, Sometimes you have to say, look, I'm sorry, man, you're dead. Yeah. But, um... But I think the best thing to do for that is to plan another really cool fight. Yeah. And make sure they're a part of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, there is one, you know, yeah, that's one thing, is always adjust your plans for your players. Like, you know, you you talked about, you know, uh, uh, saving villains because of PCs, you know, changing pulling stuff out of your ass uh, because the PCs do something unexpected. You should let the PCs do the unexpected thing yeah. and then... Uh, uh, change it. Well, it, that's not so much a problem now cuz a lot of the MV, a lot of the villains I have
2: the PCs love. And yeah. They would never dream of eliminating them. From
1: them. <laughs> we love you, Darth Vader. We love you so much.
2: Oh, no, I'm afraid they'd go after him with a vengeance. Well, what it okay, well whatever your villain's name is. It's not Darth Vader, Ross. I have a little more imagination than that. <laughs> uh Though there was a, though there was a period in Darth the Darth Vader there was a period. Yeah, well, I think you remember this. There was a period in the early 90s, right about the
1: time Face Off came out, that all of my characters oh, yeah. and villains were Caster Troy. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I, I remember that all too well. Like I said, gamers are impressionable. They We have no originality, we just steal from everything else. But if we're good, we'll twist it into our own ends. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to be fair, this is very common. I mean, look at uh, Warhammer. Warhammer basically steals from all fantasy and all science fiction. Michael Moorcock and Tolkien and, and uh, StarCraft and WarCraft. They're stolen from Warhammer <laughs> and uh, so on and so forth. Yeah. And the Korean MMORPGs steal from Warham, WarCraft and uh, uh, Starcraft. Uh, StarCraft. Boy, and, do they steal it. Yeah, they, everyone steals from everyone else. There's no originality anymore. And that's cool.
2: Yes. Actually, I would take it as like if one of the ideas I did for a game, yeah. I found out someone was doing a cheap ripoff of it. Yeah, that would that would warm my insides.
1: It really would. It wouldn't it, warm your wallet though. It would warm the cockles of my heart, not my no. wallet. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think that that overall are sort of the strategies you need to approach. You know, let PCs die when they need to, or when they when they do. I mean, where, where the dice roll, what they, they may, but don't unnecessarily hard let the players know what the risks are let the players decide what risks they'll take and what rewards though and then you, you just tell them what rewards they'll get for what risks and then let them, let the dice roll
2: um and often and often the reward enough is just the story of that time when they died in that really ridiculous yeah. and cool way
1: yeah exactly and you know um don't make it unfairly hard uh, unfair and hard and uh don't make it a, a care bear game but um Try and have a backup. Try and be ready for death, when you know, because death will strike. Because sooner or later, that PC will be at negative ten and counting. Um.
2: Anyways, wait, w- w- wait to tie into the title of this episode, Ross. Awesome. That yes. was that was brilliant.
1: Thank you. yes, and we're so modest here at RBPR. We're and, very humble. Playing public radio, it's design. So fucking humble. I am more humble than you, man. Don't don't you wave your humble finger at me, you son of a bitch. All right. Anyways, we'll be back in a couple moments with. Tom and his letter from him. Yes. Yes. And then uh, anecdotes, uh, shout outs, and more.
2: Day is here, and it's time to fan the flames of romance and desire in the dreary gaming world that Ross and I inhabit. Not between us, you silly gay joke-obsessed pu- prepubescent wankers. No, when I think of true love and romance within the gaming world, one couple always comes to mind for sheer stick to itness. No other couple more comes to mind than the first couple of the Deep Ones, Father Dagon and Mother Hydra. I know what you're going to say. How can they be an inspiration for lasting romance? Well, that question is as easily answered as, why would women come to my gaming apartment with the Sailor Moon Wall Scrolls? Think about it. They've been together for untold millennia, while all of my relationships seem to have a duration somewhere between the time it takes for a bullet to leave the barrel of a gun and the bitch slap of a hummingbird. They also have legions of kids who worship the water they swim in, and they both love the same things, be it carrying out hideous rituals to the old ones, or attacking a wandering fishing trawler and devouring the crew. But despite how much they actually have, they never cease to spread the love to neighboring quaint fishing towns and the pathetic inhabitants who dwell there. And let's face it, the best way to become part of the mythos rather than killed by it is to be the unknowing offspring of a human and deep one. Well, that or becoming a ghoul, but let's be honest, no one really wants the baggage that goes with that. This Valentine's Day, I believe that the special props should be paid to the greatest married couple in all of the mythos, but I know that I don't need to tell it to the lucky couple. They certainly have been living up over the last few years. It is true that Cthulhu tends to get most of the attention, but Dagon and Hydra have been making a little limelight as well. In the video game Dark Corners of the Earth, they both make cameos, and I love that. However, I will say this out of concern. Dagon, you're looking great. Slim, buff, and extra predatory. Keep up the good work. Hydra, I'm just a little worried about your figure. You may want to lay off the Hagandoss and fishermen. Just a thought. Oh, and I hope you like the chocolates I sent you. I killed the Gordman's fisherman and ground him up in some excellent Godiva chocolates. Enjoy.
1: And we'll be back in just a second. just a great rant there, Tom.
2: Or Did you notice the gay joke?
1: Yes, I, I, that, that that was not for you. No, it was. It was done at your expense, though. Thank, yes, yes. Uh, uh, I am not going to thank you for that. You'll. Yes, I know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we have a couple of uh uh few comments from viewers. Uh, first, a uh, Ryan uh, McCacklin, uh, I believe, has uh, wants us to mention a, his own little uh, gaming group, the Free Nines. And we'll put a link up to their message board. So, uh, hi there, Ryan. Thanks for listening. Hey, sup? Yeah. Uh... Fellow gamer! Yes. I'm sure he that's, that. That's the highlight of his life right now. I'm trying, Ross. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Uh, then we have, uh, another guy. Justice, um, is what he logged in as. And he's a local gamer. Springfield gamer. He also... Fellow lists- Springfield? Yes, Missouri. Uh... He found us from the Dragons Landing podcast, which is also a gaming podcast in Springfield, Missouri, with about you know that's uh, uh, been around longer. They have ninety episodes or eighty nine episodes, so uh, at the time of this uh, recording, yeah, they they've been around. Props really. to the sen- seniority, man. Yes, they've they've actually you know worked and stuff. Post right? us slackers, um, and he had a question for us. He uh, wanted to know what we thought of uh, gaming and shops, game shops. Now we have uh, Springfield as college town, so we have. Actually, uh, quite a large number of geeky stores, uh, comic book stores, and, of course, metagames, which has comic books, board games, role-playing games... Tabletop games. games, Warhammer, yeah. all, you name it, they got it. And VG games. Um, and uh, we played metagames uh, back when it was at its old location on Glenstone. Now it's out on East Sunshine. By, which, by 65. Yeah, US 65. And, um, you know, honestly, tell me, well, what, what did you... You said something about
2: it. Yeah, I would say that... The, the thing I remember most about playing at those games is the good thing is the best thing and the worst thing. The best thing about playing at games like that is you can attract new gamers you didn't even know existed. The bad thing is you can attract new gamers that you kind of wish you didn't know that existed. I, I mean, one of my best friends, Andy, just popped by us when we were playing a game at metagames. Yeah. And also, and I think we've also attracted a couple of players that turned it out to be, well, total dicks.
1: Yeah, uh, for me the thing is it, you know that that is a plus meeting new pe- people uh, players and whatnot. Um the downside for me isn't actually that it's the uh the atmosphere the environment. And you know you can have a game meta has a very clean very large setup, right lights, no gamer funk or very minimal. Um, they have pretty good rules about that. Yeah, the very, you know, um it's the people who aren't playing but are sort of walking by, like the Pokemon card players, the Magic card players, the pre you know the thirteen year old punk asses. And-
2: oh, and uh, do, you remember, do you remember this guy? It's not a, it's not
1: an it's not an Eldar yeah. brain. Yeah. Or it's, not, it's
2: not a Necron brain.
1: Yeah, we're playing Warhammer forty k. Once upon Midnight Dreary. Yeah, uh, and this guy Craig, 40, 50 years old, a grognard grognard, uh, which means you know an old grumbling. Wargamer guy. I've been around.
2: He's like the the gamer Dick Cheney.
1: Yeah, he's one of those guys who is always right, and always... His opinion is the only valid opinion. And you're just a moron if you you have other opinions other than him. And he will gladly expound on his uh, opinions for far too long. And we were playing... um, so it will bring up some minor bit of 40K lore. Almost as a joke. Yeah, it's like some character is holding a brain or had some cybernetic brain implanted like an orc or something, and he was like, it's not a Necron brain! And it was just... Ugh. And then, you know... And the problem with that isn't just dealing with the people who occasionally harass you or whatever, which that's like nothing. I mean, who cares? But it's you can't really do a really... Con- conducive atmosphere to gaming, I think, in a game shop, at least, especially when it's busy. Um, you know, you have... Players have all these distractions around them, you have people walking by, you can't really play any good music. Um, or any music at all, most of the time. Yeah, and it's just a pain in the butt, and you you definitely can't do a scary game. You could do a light, casual, funny dungeon crawl, I mean, because that's sort of a beer and pretzels games, so and that, you know, that... that I could see, but you can't really do a campaign or anything else like that. I mean, unless you had the store to yourself. You're playing, you know, when everyone else was gone or was very quiet or something like that. Then I could, you know, that would work. Uh, I mean, we played a lot of games in the back room of Geekers, which was sort of an off-limits area to customers.
2: Yeah, and, and that we, was fun. We, we were good friends with the owner, and he let us do
1: that, and that was a perfect environment. Yeah, that was fun, up until they crowded it with all this other crap. But we had a lot of good sessions in there. The D&D game that I ran and uh, the other ones. That the pirate played. D&D that, though it didn't last, was still fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a mixed bag. It really... It, 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 I wouldn't... I, I, honestly, I prefer my apartment because, you know, I can play music here. No one's going to care. I have soft drinks here for free, blah, blah, we blah. We played her
2: so much, we're used to the environment. Yeah, and it's just a nice... And place. it doesn't smell like cat shit and <laughs> cat piss.
1: Yeah, um... And uh, I don't like getting, you know, having to deal with those stupid CCG players, you know, especially the unlocked, young, like the young Pokemon players, yeah, or, or Magic players, the little snot nosed brats who know everything and blah blah blah, and think, oh my god, D&D is stupid, you know, that's just dumb. So it depends. If if sometimes it can be really great because you meet new players, but other times, eh, not so much. So I hope that answered it. Yeah, we really ranted or rambled on about it.
2: No, it doesn't take much for us to rant.
1: Yes, or ramble. Um, my, my day. Um, so, anyway, so, what do you want to do next? You want to do the shout outs or you want to do the anecdotes? Shout outs traditionally come before the anecdotes. All right, well, then we'll do the uh, anecdote or the shout outs. Uh, uh, my shout outs are for. i got a couple. Um, there are two uh, little videos I found on Half Life, or on YouTube. Uh, they were shot in. Half-Life 2. It's a process called uh, Machima. Makama. Um probably mispronouncing it, but it's basically cre- doing computer animation inside a video game, a computer game. And the first one is called Half-Life, Full-Life Consequences. Basically, this guy took the worst, most horribly written piece of uh, Half-Life 2 fan fiction about Gordon Freeman's brother, John Freeman. <laughs> I watched this. Yes. yes. Oh and, my god. <laughs> uh, Uh, recorded it and turned it into a little cartoon a little computer animated cartoon and it was John Freeman, Gordon Freeman's brother, was at lab at work when he got email from Gordon saying, help, there are aliens here. So he went on his motorcycle and did a backflip and then saw a headcrab officer. He's like, I can't give you uh, a license, officer. You have light. You have a headcrab. Because you are a headcrab zombie. And then he fired (laughs) on him. And then he went faster, like the speed of sound. And uh, it's just five minutes of insanity. And I, I, I... I just cried myself laughing. I just, it was, it's so wonderfully absurd. Yeah. And then... Um, you
2: also put a link up. You, you, you're you doing yourself a disservice if you don't watch it. Yeah, that. it's
1: only like five minutes. I mean, come on. Five
2: it's, minutes of your life on YouTube to cry yourself with laughter? Yes. Come on.
1: Yeah. Anyways. Um Then, of course, uh, we have another one done by the same guy called the Idiots, Idiots of Gary's Mod. Gary's Mod is a, a user mod for Half-Life 2 where you can play around with all the uh, figures and animation elements of Half-Life 2, so you can animate them yourself. And uh, some basically people did very retarded things with the, uh, like, distorted their faces. It's just made a 300 parody, and it's just very, very dumb and very, very funny. And uh, it's about, that's a little longer. Um, Let's see here. Then, of course, a video game I've been playing. I'm just on the game... Today. Almost like this show was game-related. Yeah. Uh, called Armageddon Empire. It's a war game, a uh, strategy game that's sort of like a PC board game. I mean, it's set up like a board game because you have a deck of cards, you have die- you roll dice, uh, you have tiles, that sort of thing. But it's a post-apocalyptic war game where you're trying to kill, take over, destroy the enemy headquarters and protect your own. And uh, it's only $30. It's, I've already bought it. It's ridiculously fun. Um, user, it's a little rough, but there's a uh, an expansion coming out next month, and it's just play. I mean, it's it's one of those games you start playing, you like, and then three hours later you're like, what? And the the the, user, the system specs are so low that you can play it on like a five year old computer in window mode, and you know still browse the internet or actually do work in between turns. It's turn based, by the way. Um, and then finally, uh, Pantheon. The RPG is a game we've played a couple of times. Uh, we'll do a uh, will record a session of it. It's a, sort of a narrative cage match. You choose a story template, then every player takes a turn saying one sentence of the story, and then other players can challenge it or reverse what you say. You know, depend they have certain resources to like re- rewrite it or yeah. And uh, basically, you try and win the story by. Uh, uh, fitting the genre of the story the most. And if your group's any good, it will descend into utter madness. Well, we're just... No, we're very <laughs> bad. We uh, uh, ignored... We turned it into an absurd, you know, uh, a surreal parody of whatever genre we're supposed to do. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's still fun. And it's only like five bucks new. It's like, I got it for three bucks used. I'll put up a link. It's sort of an obscure thing. By Robin Laws, uh, big shot game designer. Which, yeah. Uh, feng Shui. Yeah. Uh, author of Feng Shui. So, uh, those are mine. Uh, little shout outs. How about you, Tom? I got a couple.
2: First, my gaming one. I would like to do one to uh, Iron Claw. Like anthropomorphic role playing, I know. Yeah. But I'm. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting game. I It's not my favorite, but it's it's entertaining and certainly along the lines of stuff I would like. But yeah. what totally amazed me is I ran this for my, uh, my other group. Yeah. And. Most of them, they're hardcore action movie kind of games. Yeah, They want guns and car chases, and <laughs> I normally provide them. But then they said they want to do something uh, fantasy, because obviously uh, you know, Lord of the Rings and all that crap. 300 especially. And so I said, like, well, I really the only one I have is D&D, which they are like anti-D&D, like burn it to the ground if they ever hear anyone mention it. So wow. I said I had this one. And they did it, and they loved it. Playing like, you know, especially my friend Andy playing a anthropomorphic rabbit kind of ranger who also had you know had some magical ability right. to him it was like the most fun he said he's ever had in a game in a long time huh interesting yeah. and suddenly it in their eyes i became like the best gm in the world which is, is, it is absurd but yeah but everyone my, knows it's me oh yeah obviously but <laughs> But to give me that feeling for one night, yeah, I, I owe that game big. So, well, I can't
1: tolerate that. we have we have to burn that book now.
2: Fuck you! <laughs> but and of course, that's my game. Shout out to Ironclaw, thank you. Right. I have another one I oh, like yeah. to do to uh, celebrity this time. Uh, Henry Rollins. Okay, Ross knows I love him. I love his his music is okay, but his spoken word. You shows, have a man crush on him.
1: Shut up! <laughs> but his spoken word is acceptable if you put the word "man" in front of it. It makes it you know acceptable. Whatever. Like, but, man hug. Yeah, I man, know. Yeah, yeah. Whatever.
2: But, no, I, I love his spoken word shows, and he's actually coming to Springfield for, like, uh, the second time in his entire career. Okay. And I've actually managed to score tickets to it, and I'm going downtown to Remington's to watch him on March the 10th.
1: Wow.
2: And that, is he doing a spoken word, or is he actually playing? It's a spoken
1: word show. Okay.
2: And it's... I can I, Honestly, I never thought I'd ever get to see him live unless I would drive to St. Louis or something. Right. The fact, and it's even better is, it's a couple blocks away where I go to work if I actually ever go back to work with my right. knee. With but knee. Yeah. it's a place I could just go to the Mud House, have some coffee, and then walk over to. More staggered right now, right. so thank you, Henry Rollins, for actually coming to our little Podunk town in Southwest Missouri. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Podunk, overgrown small town. Yeah, well, I mean we do have what two hundred thousand people. Uh, I think mess? the fit. It's a hundred and. 58,000 in the main Springfield area.
1: I think it's over 200,000 with the greater Springfield area. Yeah. Big, ooh. Anyways, um, and of course, finally, we have uh, the gaming anecdote. This is, again, from a longtime reader uh, or listener, uh, Ethan Dahl. Ethan Dahl. Dahl's, yep. It, it, uh, it's, pl- it's singular Dahl, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ethan,
2: I, I'm, I haven't, I've, show respect, I've still yet to totally memorize
1: your name. Yeah. So we, That's how much I care, man. All right. Anyways, um, back around 1987 or 88, our group was deep into the GURPS era. Uh, One of the guys decided to start a fantasy campaign. We made our characters and then started in on solving a kidnapping. I don't recall how we got picked to find out what happened to the missing princess, but I do recall that we spent a lot of time, several hours of real time, trying to get a clue about what direction to go. We examined her rooms in the the palace, talked to NPCs, etc., That's all cool, but it was starting to drag. We ended up getting into a fight with some tough NPC in the streets of the capital. I think he ambushed the party. After hours of talking, I was ready for some action. My character was essentially a fighter with some minor spells chucked in. I was up several uh, floors in a building. Other two party members were on the street below when the attack happened. Not wanting to spend the next four or so rounds running down the stairs to join the fight, I took out my bow and proceeded to try and shoot the guy. For four rounds, I shot at him, missing every time. My bow skill was 15, so this should have been fairly easy. The level of frustration after spending several hours trying to track down clues, and it was too much for me, and my character had who had the bad temper disadvantage. I said that my character screamed and threw his bow quiver at the guy, missing, and finally leaped from the window to land on top of him. I actually hit him and I think killed him while seriously injuring myself as well. After recovering in another hour or so trying to puzzle out the clues, we just couldn't figure out what steps to take next. The GM kept insisting we had enough information to figure out which way to go. Needless to say, we never did. The the campaign lasted two sessions. When your players tell you that they can't figure it out and they're all pretty damn smart, uh, you should really listen. Or you should get players who aren't so, uh, uh, you know, arrogant about their abilities. Oh! Um... (laughs) I also wanted to add a short one that came to mind after hearing of Tom's Call of Cthulhu PC beating to death the cultist guy and being caught covered in his blood by the store uh, patron. Below is probably Thank you. My, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I am immortalized. Below is probably my biggest boneheaded move in a game. I was playing a GURPS super game. Supers game. And my character were all part of some secret law enforcement agency. My character was a hand-to-hand combat machine with switchable body of metal, uh, claws, and rapid healing, but he also had lots of spies to uh, spy-type skills that fit his former job with MI6, like electronics, language, firearm, disguise, forgery, lockpicking, you name it. Well-rounded character. It seemed, in fact, a lot of these scripts' games were m- most fun during character creation rather than actual play. But anyways, at one point, we were attempting to break into the uh, this house to get the bad guy. We had sneaked into the property and bypassed many security systems. Dogs, spotlights, motion sensors, etc. Took quite some time and a lot of rolls to make it. Not only I had to get through a locked plate glass sliding door to gain an entry, I uh, I failed my lock picking skill several times and I think jammed uh, the lock with a broken pick or something. We didn't have any glass cutters with us, so I brilli- brilliantly decided to shoot out the lock. After, after all, my pistol had a silencer. Of course you can't silence the sound of the bullet striking the door frame and the resulting shock uh shattered the glass and the setting of the uh, set the set off the burglar alarm. one. So uh didn't quite think that through, did you, Ethan? So uh <laughs> way to go. I'd like to hear what happened, I assume uh, uh all of you died. I'll just assume all of you died horribly grisly deaths and the PC and the and From the- his from his trained pet Velociraptor. Yes. And you all just died horribly and embarrassingly and uh, we're all mocked by the other superhero community. And so on and so forth. But uh, anyways, uh, it's nice to know you've had an effect on the other players. You're not the only one who, you know, did something really dumb. Ethan, thank you. I (laughs) needed to hear this. All right. Well, uh, again, the music uh, for this episode has been Saber Pulse, an 8-bit chip-tune, chip-punk, I don't know what g- electronic genre they call it nowadays. Um, music, uh, you can get him on MySpace or the 8-Bit Collective, which is where I got this from. But anyways, uh, this has been Episode 9, Death and Dying. Or Negative uh, 10 Counting, Death and Dying. All right, I'm Tom, and I'll see you again, hopefully, after I've had surgery on my knee. All right, well, we'll be uh, rolling those dice for you, Tom. Oh, yeah, doctor better, too. <laughs> All right, um, see you next time. See you.